from Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. the week of Friday, July 12th, 2013, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I am your illustrious producer slash guest host this week. It's harder than it looks, isn't it? Chad yeah. Michael Snavely. Guys, I'm terrified. <laughs> Do you want to start over? I'm terrified. Yeah, you already made it weird. This, yeah. is the, this is the seventh time that I've tried. Rec- I, I came in here last night when you guys weren't even here and, you ran and did a dry it. run. Sure. It yeah. took me about four hours. Yeah, you put together like a fake list. Yeah. You just did everybody's personality. Yeah. It where's, was, now, where's Cameron? Did you overthrow him? I did for the week. Um, I, sent, I sent him to Bob Goff's house. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uninvited. Uninvited. I just said, hey, Bob, you're going to have a list. Uh, guests show up at your uh, doorstep with a bag this week. Whatever you do, yeah. just let them in. Anthony yeah. Bourdain style. Right. No reservations. No reservations. No, reservations. Yeah. no yeah. questions yeah. asked, no reservations. No, Cameron is uh, Cameron's out for the week. So here we are, guys. Um, here with me in our Orlando studios, the very lovely Eddie Koffel. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, my voice cracked. Hey, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> it's a special time in man's life. <laughs> I was going to say, I noticed, little, uh, yeah. I noticed a little... I noticed a mustache. I was yeah. kind of jealous. <laughs> I've been growing this mustache for 10 years. Mm. You can probably grow a mustache really quickly, can't you? I can, and I was... By quickly, I had a, mean like an afternoon. Right. Yeah, that's well, cool. if I squint hard enough. <laughs> Look, if we're going to talk about facial hair... Hold wait, on, wait, 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 wait a minute. To his right, Mr. Calvin Keerley. I have no facial hair right now. I One of the reasons I'm... I'm running a little late today <laughs> is um, because I got a new uh, electric beard trimmer. Okay. Oh. And did, some, you did, know, did the battery die halfway through? Yeah. Well, I was going to start doing some beard advertisements in my beard. Oh. No. Yeah. Um, that was a slice on relevantmagazine.com. It was. Okay. I'm, but, glad, you, I'm yeah. glad you're reading I was, your website now. I was just going to yeah. trim it. Do you guys it. have a magazine? I don't know how to dial in the settings on this new thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a decently thick beard I up until this. like an hour and a half ago. And I go in for one side and it just zoom, done. Super like close baby skin yeah. level close. I'm like, oh no. So I have to do it all. And I left it. I did it all but left the mustache and it wasn't long enough to look cool. It, it looked a little... John Waters esque. Okay, I don't know if you know a little pencil thin. All right, so yeah. I had to take it off, okay. and then I just kept shaving it more and more on the face. Yeah, and uh, I still have my leg hair. That's good. <laughs> um, and uh, it just got really, really bad. I'm sorry to hear that. So, yeah. well, is there anybody else a part of the podcast? No, no. It, we're just gonna leave Jesse in the dark. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. gonna see how long we could ride this out before yeah, having to introduce. I'll see you so anyway, I wanted to talk <laughs> more about. <laughs> so got, it got you thinking. <laughs> on the Lover, on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, it's our very own Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Do you, Jesse, do you have any facial hair right now? Because uh, you had I, a beard the last time I saw you on Skype. Yeah, I have a. See, I don't really like ever grow beards. I, I, I also grow, and I don't like it. I grow facial hair really quickly. I just find it an inconvenience. But I don't grow beards for fashion reasons. I grow them because of laziness, and I currently do have a beard. Right. Yes, <laughs> so, you've been incredibly lazy. I, yeah, what, exactly. Eddie, what's your what's your facial hair story? Like, you kind of have a little bit of scruff going on right now. Yeah, but this is like I pretty much have kept this for a long time because if I shave this beard off, I look like my daughter Lucy. Just oh, whoa, really? real, real soft facial features. <laughs> right, not a very defined chin. Just kind of look very. Uh, Ladyish. Okay. <laughs> so I, I got to keep this. All right. So why are you keeping the facial hair? <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks good on you. Thanks. I think yeah. it looks good on you. I have a beard. You have a you know. fantastic beard. And I, and, I, and I feel your pain because my wife is a is a hairstylist and she, and she likes my beard and she has told me anytime you need a trim, I will bring my professional scissors and my comb and I will give you a beard trim. Not even, not even like some electrical device. You're no. talking old school. Yeah. We're scissors. talking straight Bar- up barber style. barber style scissors. That's cool. Okay, so she's she's done this before. She trimmed the beard. It looked really, really good. One Saturday, I'm home. I'm bored. My face was itching. I said, I'm going to trim my beard. I can do this. I've got the electric clippers as right, well with right. all the attachments and whatnot. Yeah. I put on the, the largest attachment possible thinking easily, I'm just going to take off a centimeter. 
I took out the biggest chunk of my beard. <laughs> like in one swipe. One you swipe. See, you just, just see it drop in slow-mo in the like, sink. No. Oh. And then you look at your face and there's just a massive chunk missing. So then I so then well, I made All of a sudden you're you're Luke Wilson in in Royal Tenenbaums exactly. and you shaved right. your whole head. Exactly. While Elliot Smith plays dramatically in the background. <laughs> Thank you. Elliot Smith. Wow. Good job. Um so I made mistake number two, which was to say I can fix it myself. Right. Well you can't it's fix a it yourself. Series of overcompensating. It's a horrible snowball rolling down the hill yeah my wife comes home from work your eyebrows are gone <laughs> all of a sudden shredded. all you have you look like the the bass player from anthrax that's okay. on vh1 like yeah. commentating just like a long pointy goatee yeah. he's like powder i look like mr clean cross between mr clean and powder and it was just it was horrible and she got mad she got legitimately mad at me yeah. and uh, she said next time you do not touch your beard i touch the beard i will trim the beard and uh, never again. I've never <laughs> you, made that you mistake. You guys speak of it as a third entity. We in do. Your house? We do. We do. It, it has a very strong presence in my Mr. household. Mr. and Mrs. Ch- Sneevely and yeah, the beard. And the beard. And the beard. Boys of Summer in full swing I, again. I, I, yeah. For yeah, real. Are you following the picture I'm painting? Yeah. yeah. I love it, yeah. guys. I haven't yeah. even said who's going to be on the podcast. All right. This that's week. it. We're, that was yeah. fun, guys. All right. Yeah, this, See you later. Went, this went just about as well as it did in my dry run last <laughs> night. So I'd say we're off to a great start. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we just, yeah, we're, we're into a four hour episode. Well, we do have a good podcast for you guys today. Coming up later, we are going to talk to. Uh, author Karen Russell, uh, she was a finalist for the 2012 Pulitzer Prize for fiction. Oh, wow. Pretty wow. important. We talked to her, and we also uh, spotlight a really, really great band uh, that we're into right now called Telekinesis. Mm. Our very own Tyler Huckabee joins us from Nashville to talk to Telekinesis. So that's you know coming up, too. I knew that you were going to talk about Somebody that Somebody had to take it. There it is. I and I, I wanted it to be you. I knew <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> it, was, it was because I knew Somebody. <laughs> that you guys contacted telekinesis. Yeah. Okay. I actually put the idea in your head. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. Just throwing so, it out there. Yeah. We miss Captain Camtastic. We do, man. I'm not dropping that nickname. What do you think? You're not. You're not. No, no. I said it last week. Nobody commented on it, but Wait. I'm going to keep going. It's good. <laughs> won't it drive him crazy oh, if totally. people start calling him Captain Camtastic? It would drive anyone crazy. Or he's at some... <laughs> yeah, he's, it kind of drives me crazy. <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> Where did that come from? Just I don't know. Top of your head, Riffin. Top, top of the, the dome. dome. Top of the Jinx. dome. Yeah. Nice job. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So he's hanging with Bob Goff this week, which I'm assuming. Did you guys read Don Miller's book, uh, Million Miles, a Thousand mm-hmm. Years? Great book. Talks about hanging out with Bob and going with with Bob to his cabin retreat, and they just do crazy stuff the whole time, like so, big big game hunting and things like that. I th- probably. Tickle, I mean, I remember fights. A lot of tickle, <laughs> a lot of tickle fights, a, a, a lot late of night pillow fights. I think like art- see, I was thinking more like Ernest Hemingway. You're going more of the the you know twelve year old girl slumber party. I think it's, <laughs> it's probably so, we're, uh, you were thinking, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah somewhere in the middle. I think you're, like art, artisan parcheesi. Yeah, you're thinking <laughs> you know hand carved wow, parcheesi. That was some you high level humor. That was be onto something. You were I've been listening Hemingway. to a lot of NPR lately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, by the way, have you heard of NPR? They did a 15 minute story on the artisan Parcheesi movement. We ran this slice that NPR was looking for a new voice for the This Is NPR. Yeah. I auditioned to everyone in the office. I went around with one of those uh, pop filters, you know, that you put in front of your microphone, and I just put it in front of my mouth, and I just said, close your eyes and listen to this. This is NPR. Awesome. And then I would go around saying, uh, sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation because that's yeah. all. I, that's the only part that I could remember. Yeah, yeah, a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. Yes. Yeah, the right, Annie right. Casey, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know the, what that is. The, the John T. and Catherine T. T. MacArthur, MacArthur Foundation. Foundation. That's it. Yeah. yeah, I think I might actually still submit a demo. Just you to should. See. You should. You didn't submit it. I didn't submit one yet. You have a great voice. Thank you. You have like a good like radio voice. Radio like, voice. Really yeah, that's on. what I'm saying. That's what they're looking for. Can I? Can I give you a suggestion? Please. I would I would do a little spin on it, you know, some some interesting punctuation. Give me some examples here. Like like Christopher Walken it? Like <laughs> I was about to break into Christopher Walken and I realized I didn't know yeah. and real, I was falling off a ledge in that real, moment. <laughs> real quick, Jesse, before you do this, Calvin, just just tell us if Christopher Walken Something. was the voice of NPR. Well he, you know, he puts oh, the no. emphasis on the wrong syllable or right. the emphasis on the wrong syllable. So right. it's always Oh, this is gonna be I great. Don't know. I can't this, wait. Uh, I love there's this a lot of prep going into this. Come on. This is, Come on. This is <laughs> The, the, this is this is an artisan Christopher Walken impression. Uh, oh God, it, it, this is <laughs> so bad. This 
This is oh, NPR. Wrong? Oh, you this is stop. in P. Oh. And he would do it a couple don't times. You dare, right? yeah, don't do, you dare yeah. edit that out. Don't oh, you no, dare. That is, oh, I want that to gosh. be the whole podcast. That's amazing. Yeah. We should, you might mm. want to just submit that. <laughs> uh, Jesse, what, what are some I'm of your cringing. I was just going to say, just insert punctuation, you know, to yeah. keep the listener like on their feet. Kind of like a Ron Burgundy question yeah. mark. This is NPR? <laughs> or like just that. an exclamation point. You just shout it. Really? Just screams of insecurity. Yeah. Just, I don't This is NPR. <laughs> so guys, I'm just telling you, if you're listening to NPR over the next few months. Is this months, NPR? I think, I think James Blunt should do an audition. Oh, God, please okay. do it again. again. James Blunt. Like, please uh, give it to him. This is NPR. Yeah. <laughs> this is NPR. It's true. And remember, folks, you can fast forward. They're dragging just, the mouse yeah. like further and further into the podcast and realize They've, this is the entire episode. They just keep pushing like the advanced 15 yeah. seconds thing yeah. on their iPhone, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. waiting like, for it to just make it stop. There's a, there's a Pulitzer nominee on this episode. We've already completely butchered her time on the podcast. Just get back to Tyler. Oh, man. All right, let's move along. Music releases, guys. Music uh, coming out on Tuesday, July 16th. Only a couple choices. Uh, Aaron Schust is coming out with Morning Rises. And uh, Mayor Hawthorne is coming out with Where Does This Door Go? Hmm. There's a lack of creativity with the mayor. Kind of obvious. Where is this? I don't know. Where does this door go? Yeah, who put it for him? (laughs) These guys are worse. There he is. Uh, Movies coming out on Friday, July 19th. Red 2 with uh, Bruce Willis and John Malkovich. Did anyone see the first one? I didn't. I, I don't understand why there's a second one. Yeah, Yeah. me neither. Uh, R.I.P.D. with Jeff Bridges, Ryan Reynolds, Kevin Bacon. That's coming out. R.I.P.D. And, uh, What's that saying for R.I.P.? It's the go- the ghost one. Rest, Yeah, yeah no, Rest in Peace Department. So oh, like I won't the watch. NYPD. This seems like a really bad idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a lot of levels, right? I won't I, watch scary movies. I mean, I mean, I like, I like uh, you know, Jeff Bridges, but... The pitch meeting, it just seems so generic. I feel like ghosts are making a huge comeback. Like, do you think ghosts are the next thing? Like, you had zombies. vampires, zombies. zombies. Do you think zombies. ghosts are the next thing? I saw a funny... I was going to post this on the web slices, but I never got around to it. The, this story... Uh, <laughs> did you guys see the movie Safe Haven with Josh Jumel? I, I don't know why I'm asking. I'm sure we. I'm sure you all did. It's is not it, a scary movie, is it? No, no, no. It's, no this no. is a rom-com. This is oh. a... No. Yeah, it's Josh Duhamel and, and the and the, the 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 woman from Dancing with the Stars. I can't remember her name, but anyway, it's based on a Nicholas Sparks book. Okay. Oh yeah. oh yeah, totally. So so if you don't want a spoiler for the movie Safe Haven, use your little skip function now because I'm about yeah. to give one. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but it, the, a guy of a, a movie reviewer ignited sort of a t- Twitter fury uh, because in his review for the movie Safe Haven, he revealed that at the end of the movie. It's revealed that Josh Duhamel's character is, in fact, a ghost, all of the Sixth Sense. Right. Except this isn't a horror movie. It's a rom-com, and which, you know, the reviewer is saying it is so incredibly stupid. Like, there's no reason to make him a ghost at the end of this movie. And then he, like, spouted off several movies that he was sarcastically saying it would be like finding out that the main character was a ghost the whole time. And he mentioned in there, it's like finding out that Ben Affleck's character is in Argo is a ghost the whole time. Anyway, one guy reading the review flipped his lid because he was yet to see Argo. (laughs) (laughs) And did did not realize that the movie reviewer was was being sarcastic. That, you know, Argo (laughs) was a true story. And part of the true story is that Ben Affleck was not, in fact, a ghost. And so he unleashed a fury of the most insane, rage-filled <laughs> tweets you could possibly read at this poor movie reviewer who was just being sarcastic. For all that to say, is, I agree, yes, ghosts are making a comeback. I think uh-huh. they are. I, I think uh, probably within a few years you'll find a ghost on the relevant podcast. I just think that they're the next it thing. So I think any of you aspiring filmmakers out there, if you want to make a great movie, be it a sports movie, be it a rom-com, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Just have a ghost in there. You don't even have to plan it to be a ghost movie. Just reveal the end, towards the yeah, end that the end. someone was a ghost. Yeah. Hey, I'd like to bring up a trend that I think is going to be a trend, and this is real left field and not at all what we're talking about. Uh, which obviously, it I, doesn't matter. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> but, um, okay, so you know how, like, hipster, like, it's kind of like bluegrass has been, like, a thing. Everybody yeah. plays a banjo now. Lumineers. Which, yeah. I, which I really like. Sure. I enjoy it. Okay, here's the next trend. Opera. Own that. That's not supposed Opera. to be funny, but oh. I'm telling you, next five years, 
opera is going to be a thing. Like, and, like it's going to be a thing. Meaning, like on the radio, you're going to hear opera fused y- with like folk. you in the next five years of relevant are going to say like, here's a band that you know all drives fixies or whatever they do with their bicycles and their glasses, <laughs> and, then, and then and then it's going to be some sort of opera band. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I just feel like. Doesn't that feel like a trend that would be like? I, I think you should try to set that trend. I think so. I think we should have Calvin right now sing opera to us. You don't. No, want we that. don't. You're Calvin. saying like, where do they like? Like they're they're going. They've already went like retro. Right. Like they've already you know like the New York rock thing kind of brought back. That's like, right. You know like '60s era like raw sound. Exactly. So now they went back to like Prohibition era. Right. So so now you're saying how much further back can they can they go? Victorian that, England. That, that from here it's the Renaissance. <laughs> right. Eventually, they're just banging on sticks and lighting yeah. fires and screaming yeah. about. That know. sounds like the ultimate hipster movement. Yeah, right is there. opera is opera. Maybe Eddie. Maybe if it's artisan opera, <laughs> I think you're onto something. Yeah, I think it might be a thing. And there's a hipster out there right now that's listening to this podcast. It's like I could totally sing over like some dope beat. You know? <laughs> that's how they're talking. Yeah. Yep. Cool. I know the hipster movement. You do. Pretty well. You do. <laughs> yeah. You I was gonna say, dope beat. <laughs> so that would be that would be that would be hip hop opera. So, I'm going on break, guys. He's so, never, he's so good. Just, uh, <laughs> hip-hop. Look out for it. Yep. All right. Well, uh, if you're not into uh, R.I.P.D. with Jeff Bridges, Ryan Reynolds, Kevin Bacon, you can also go see the movie Only God Forgives with Ryan Gosling and Kristen Scott Thomas. So there's your uh, entertainment releases. Uh, go see the ghost movie. Don't see scary movies. And watch out for hip-hop. It's yeah, all coming It's going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Coming up next, Slices. Portions of this week's podcast are brought to you by Asbury Seminary. Are you called to plan a church? Prepare to serve with new church planning degrees at Asbury Theological Seminary. For more info, you can go to asburyseminary.edu. You're listening to Twin Peaks. Now, uh, we, we, we mentioned this album last week coming out. But I played this song because I think this might be the new theme song for this podcast because the name of the song is Fast Eddie. Mm. <laughs> oh, nice. I gotta listen to that. Twin Peaks, Fast Eddie from the new album. They wrote it just for you. Just for you. They Love came it. out with it just for you, Eddie. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Mayor Hawthorne with The Stars Are Ours from his upcoming album, Where Does This Door Go? Where Does This Door Go? Hey, Once again, we haven't figured it out. What's the band that Cameron listened to when he was like walking through the airport? Young Oceans. Young Oceans. Yes, that's right. So yeah. Young Oceans, uh, we're playing one of their songs in church this weekend. They really? were listening to the podcast, Very and then cool. they it's going to be in church. So Young Oceans. Making the, a difference. On wow. the podcast a couple weeks ago, in airports everywhere, and now in Eddie's church. Now in some church that you guys don't know about, but <laughs> making a difference. Can they play Fast Eddie while you do like announcements uh, we in call the background? Strategic we, we call them strategic concerns at our church. Yeah. You know that. That sounds very serious, by the way. Well, it is very serious, but you know, it's liturgical. There's a liturgical you know, way we set things up. Do you have a liturgical part of your announcements? Uh, Other than being the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when when there aren't complaints of sacrilege, uh, no. One time uh, we do like uh, this sounds bad, but <laughs> I can't remember the. the <laughs> you you do the announcements, right? Yeah, I do the announcements, but the, the, there's an assistant pastor that does like the statement of the faith. Um, Oh really? You know, hmm. That that you all recite together. Oh wow! Know? What uh, is this denomination or is? No, it's non-denominational, but it's just like a liturgical element. It's like you know, sort of woven into the service. But one time he was out, and and I was supposed to throw to the head pastor after doing, uh, you know, the statement of the faith, and I was very nervous because I didn't know how to time it. You know, <laughs> yeah. like there's a there's a cadence because you're trying to get everyone. It's like up on the on the. Uh, you know, overhead or whatever, mm-hmm. and you have to get everyone to read it along with you. And there's a lot of pressure to stay in some sort of rhythm. You don't yeah. want to speed up too fast. No. So I ruined it because I did a three, two, one countdown. <laughs> three. Yeah. And here's here's another Rick. another lethal weapon yeah. element. Like, do you go on one or three, two, one, then go? Yeah. Well, that, that's it. That's what I actually voiced that concern, <laughs> and uh, people started laughing. And I feel like they weren't really taking a very serious thing seriously, yeah. and it wasn't my fault. So 
So sorry. Feels but like I it was get your asked fault. To do that. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, Jesse was suspended from something at his church's platform. Second suspension. Yeah. I'd like to. Yeah. I'd like to read that statement of faith. I'm curious about that. Yeah. Oh. It's uh, is it like the Nicene Creed or something like that, or is it? Yeah. It's um. Uh no, hang on. Let me think for a second, Chad. You can edit all this awkwardness out. Um, <laughs> no, 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 since we started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. the last twenty five minutes. Hey, people are really nice on Twitter. While you're looking up what your church says every single week, you've gotten a lot of Twitter love. I've seen it. Yeah, you people have. Are just really kind. Both, actually, both of you have. It's been really sweet. Well, Jesse too. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. just really cool. People love you, fast Eddie. You de- you do a good job on your cloak and dapper quotes. They're always really clever. Yeah, you well, just Google I, like uh, <laughs> I actually have them all already tattooed on my body, so yeah. I just read whichever ones I can. But they're all Japanese symbols. <laughs> yeah, so I have to translate. <laughs> so sometimes it just takes a while. You have a tattoo. You just got a new tattoo. Yeah, I have a tattoo. Yeah, I have a tattoo on my uh, left forearm, so that people uh, get made fun of. There was some video that was going around years ago that was like my pastor has a tattoo peeking out of his shirt, yeah. so they know he has a past. Yeah, but now I really, I just got one. <laughs> I mean, I kind of have a past, but. It's tattooed but it's like a week about. ago. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, it says uh, it's in my grandmother's handwriting. My grandma was like uh, the first person that showed me what a Bible was. Oh, and okay. She was the first person that read the Bible to me and got a lot of understanding. Um, about so she it. didn't actually do the tattoo. No, my grandma did not. Okay. Do- she is al- she is alive, so you're not going to regret this joke. But it, she did not do the tattoo. I was I uh, was wondering if I should you, bring this up. You were waiting. Okay. No, and it's justice, mercy, humility. You know, a little paraphrase of Micah six eight. So cool. It's about the holiest tattoo you could ever get. Pretty much. You're welcome, world. Yeah. Well, you could get the Apostles' Creed, which is what we read at my oh. church. That'll be very long. How did we not guess it? That was. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like I seriously, it's like just one of my mind totally blanked out, especially because I've led the church in it. But it is a little long, and like I said, my. My fear was I'd start reading it too fast or too slow, and people reading it on the screen would not be reading it with my voice. It's, it, you know, it's a lot of anxiety. It, we do a responsive prayer for, like, when we're commissioning uh, uh, missionaries to go out and stuff, and that is the number one hardest thing to do, mm-hmm. is because you start reading and you realize people are behind you, and then you slow down and they slow yeah. down, and you're... Uh, it did derailment. Have you, have you ever been in a situation at like a uh, some like retreat or something when you're in like youth camp or, mm-hmm. or whatever, and like the pastor at the end like every head bow, every eye closed, you know, yeah. it's real yeah. intense. Yeah. And he's exactly like, I want going. everyone to pray after me, and he's like, you know, he starts off and he's like, dear Lord Jesus, and everyone's like, dear Lord Jesus, I'm praying for to you right now, and all of a sudden, like the the <laughs> he goes longer and longer between yeah. when you're supposed to repeat. <laughs> Yeah. And like you just hear people like trailing off and they can't remember <laughs> what the last thing he said is and the prayer just comes off the rails. Has that happened to you guys? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen there. I've seen that actually happen uh with wedding vows. Oh man, I oh, was that's just about great. to say and I and I've also seen like when officiants at weddings overcompensate that and yeah. kind of break it up too yeah. much. It's like two words. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Take Calvin. take the Samantha, take the Samantha to TV, love yeah. to love, to cherish. To cherish. I mean, come on, let's speed this. It's yeah. a really hard thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, you, it's really hard to know. Like, what's the threshold of like I can remember that ten seconds later? Plus, at youth yeah. camp, you just finished singing "Awesome God" and crying for thirty minutes. Right. You know, and then <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> and so you're really fragile. And so the moment you get to laugh because he said like "I state your name," and then me or Jesse or whoever that kid is says "State your name," and you're done. <laughs> you're done. That's it. They call that, over. They call. They used to call that in the old you know evangelical circles breaking the spirit. <laughs> 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 classic. It's a classic. Though. You've done a lot of weddings, right, Eddie? Oh man, a million of them. I love so them. have you ever? Oh, I mean, talk it, about anxiety. That would be the worst. That would I, be that the worst. Like I will the t- most terrifying thing in the world. The first wedding I ever did was four months after I got married, and I threw up right before I went on. It was the scariest thing because it's such a big. So you were deal. more nervous about officiating the wedding than your own wedding. By, that you participated by in. far, my own okay. wedding was great. Love Brienne. We're <laughs> hanging out up front. I don't yeah. have to remember anything. But officiating a wedding is like you know, <laughs> except those vows. No, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, you're just going two words at a time. You instructed him no more than two to three words. Yeah. (laughs) After what happened at youth camp. Plus, he had all his vows tattooed on his left inner arm. (laughs) He has a pass. Yeah, he has a pass. I like I like your weddings. We should have a a relevant podcast listener wedding. I agree. Where someone who wants to get married, they can win. Maybe like two people win Eddie's officiating. Oh my gosh. Oh, you, can, you can DJ the, wedding. Uh, DJ the wedding. I don't know that that's a win. I just think it would be fun. I don't. Oh, wanna, I don't want to look at. It like I'd a be prize. happy to come and do like five minutes beforehand. You know, you know, you know, Jesse. <laughs> that's what you'd. Ha- I was about to say. So, that's what you'd have to. Asking, do. No, how many guys went to youth camp? It's the events of comedy here? wedding tour, sir. But that's what you should do. Five minutes, and then you MC the reception. Yeah, you, yeah. like you yeah. mix yeah. reception, but uh, Jesse does like the introduction of the, uh, the the wedding party. Right. Oh my god, I would love that. Incredible. I would be crying. 
Oh, we'd have a great time. We should do their wedding at medieval times. That's that's the that's the way. In the middle right of there. the ceremony. This is like, the best idea we've ever had. So, you know, bidding starts now for that relevant wedding. Um, man, I can't wait. It's going to be a good time. So good. All right. Time for slices. Uh, Jesse, what do you got, man? All right. So <laughs> I love this story about a new channel that's coming to DirecTV. I actually had to pay an extra five bucks a month, but it seems well worth it. The channel has a, an intended audience that is often neglected by a lot of cable providers. Dogs. <laughs> the, the, the aptly titled Dog TV was designed by dog psychologists so that when you leave your pet at home all day, they don't get separation anxiety, they don't get lonely, uh, and they don't just sit there and cry and wait for you to, to return. You turn on this channel at Dog TV. The colors on the channel are actually specially tuned for dogs' eyes. So they, they see in like dog vision. And all of the, the programming, like I said, it took them, <laughs> believe it or not, I mean, this is what they're saying. I don't see how it could possibly take two years to figure out what kind of programming dogs like. But it, it's evidently, it took them two years to, to develop the programming that would soothe lonely dogs stuck at home watching TV all day. Yeah. And it's basically just other dogs running in fields and things. Wow. Um, but anyway, it's hmm. called Dog TV. If you're a subscriber to DirecTV, it's only $5. Your dog will thank you, especially <laughs> if you leave at home all day. See, when I go out at night, I always put a baseball game on for my dog. Mm. I really do. No, you don't. I do. I leave the TV on. I leave a baseball game on and because I'm, oh. I'm trying to get my dog into baseball. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good idea. It, right? Yeah. The layers yeah. of insanity, like, like, right. you, you, so, right. uh, but in the back of your mind, you're kind of hoping for like an Airbud situation. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> <laughs> I know my dog's got. I just put on my Airbud DVD collection. And he's pretty happy. Yeah, Airbuds <laughs> one through four. What's your dog's name? My dog's name is Mistro. He's gonna be. He's. I think he's gonna take over shortstop for the Yankees after Jeter retires here in a couple years. What uh, kind of dog is he? He's a little Shih Tzu. We rescued him. He's got one eye. Oh. Yeah, so his depth, perception, his depth perception's a little off, so maybe baseball isn't the best idea. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know about shortstop. But man, he loves watching TV. So If, if, if you value that other eye, I would recommend not allowing him to play baseball. Not, yeah, yeah that's good Ch- Chad, do you watch much Caesar Milan? Do you watch Dog Whisperer? I don't, unfortunately. Maybe oh, I should you're really start. Out. I don't even own a dog, and I love it. I actually, I'm a big fan of that show, and I noticed, did you watch the last episode of the last season? No. It turned out he was a ghost. Caesar was a ghost. <laughs> so. so good. He wasn't really rollerblading after all. Yeah. And that's how the dogs could actually see him, but the people could, I don't know. It's just oh yeah. Well, everyone knows that dogs can see ghosts. Right, right. Yeah. Right. No, so. that's true. That is true. So. Yeah, a lot of M. Night Shyamalan movies play on dog TV. Man. <laughs> oh, jeez. Back wow. bet. Good stuff. All right, Calvin, what do you got, man? This, uh, this is a really interesting story. Pope Francis hmm. said on Saturday... That it pained, this is a quote, it pained him to see priests driving flashy cars and told them they need to pick something more humble. As part of his drive, no pun intended. Okay, yeah, Wait, pun intended. You, no, no, you it can't was say intended. no pun intended. Yeah, I realized yeah. that. I saw myself. Anyone on this show, you, you don't have the rights, sir. Yeah, I have lost that privilege. As part of his drive, quote unquote, to make the Catholic Church more austere and focus on the poor, Francis told Young and trainee priests and nuns from around the world that having the latest smartphone or fashion accessory was not the route to happiness. Um, A car is necessary to do a lot of work, but please choose a more humble one. If you like the fancy one, just think about how many children are dying of hunger in the world. The the Pope's car for moving around the walled Vatican City is a, a Ford Focus. Okay. Which is good because you're gonna you want your Pope to be focused. Well yeah, I think. and I'm glad he bought America. Yeah, too. America. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um but anyway, this whole like humble cars thing kinda got me thinking. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think that the rule for for priests and people that work in the church for their cars that it should be flashy or or not, I think you should be based on the name of the cars alone. Oh, okay. Because I think okay. that's more simple to follow. Sure, it we be, are. Yeah, yeah, it's not the price no, tag. You. It's not the yeah. It's it's not the right. accoutrement that comes with the car. It's All not right. the flashiness. It's more just the name. Yeah. Hold on. Let me help you. Do you have any names of cars? I, have, I, I put together some ideas. Oh. Oh. Would, you, would you say you have a list of names? I, you you well, can call Are they are they you know organized sequentially? Yeah. Well, no. Actually, no. Oh. They're not. Good, good layup on that one. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> no. Thanks for nothing. Uh, because, <laughs> because I just like them all. Um, okay, so I, I'm just going to – I had some ideas. So I'm just going to say this is for uh, Pope Francis, if you're listening. 
Oh, I'm sure someone yeah, on course, your staff yeah. is listening. Sure. So this is <laughs> these are the names of the cars that I think should be pre-approved okay. for, for priests for yeah. priests to drive. The Nissan Pathfinder. Okay, I think that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. I'm, I don't with, think, I'm with you. I don't How many of these do you have? It's hard to keep track. I'm just going to go through the ones I like. Um, <laughs> the Infinity. <laughs> okay. I think that's a good one. Sure. Yep. Uh, the Toyota Crown. And by the way, these are all real cars. <laughs> okay. I'm not making any of them up. <laughs> right. Uh, the Chevy Omega. I don't oh, know if clever. there's a Chevy Alpha, but that would be okay too. Sure. Hallelujah. Uh, the Dodge Journey. Hmm. The Dodge Crusader. Oh, yeah, oh good definitely. one. Yeah, the, uh, Buick Regal is a good one. Yeah. And uh, this is my favorite Honda Life. That's not a car. It's a Honda Life. It's, it's a Honda Life. What I don't know it? if it's currently in production. I oh. see. Uh, but look, when you when you give the priests and everyone ideas like this that I'm like I'm doing, you really kind of have to tell them what cars to stay away from. Also, sure, I think. Sure. Um, just to make it easier for them. So these are the, the cars. You've done the hard work. I've done here. the hard work. Yeah. So the, here are a, f- a few cars that you should stay away from, priests. <laughs> here we go. The Ford Taurus, the Ford Scorpio. I mean, yeah, yeah. for obvious reasons, sure. astrological yeah. science. Sure. The Toyota Equinox. I think that just reeks of paganism. Uh, the Dodge Ram. Oh, I mean, obviously. The Dodge Viper. No, can't do that. It's like no. the enemy Off right there. The serpent. Yeah. The Dodge Warlock. Again, Shut up. all That's not real. real cars. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I believe it. Uh, the Buick Centurion. I mean, you do not want to be dry- caught in yeah. a Centurion. No, 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 no. You know, that, that is not. And then my favorite one to stay away from, guys, uh, the priest. The Ford anti-Catholicism. The, yeah, you don't want to drive that one. The, Catal- the Chevy Beelzebub. <laughs> not, a, not a hot seller. Yeah. No, you don't. Great gas mileage. Yeah, I, I didn't say that this slice was clever. Uh, the Cadillac DeVille. Ooh. Stay away. I don't Stay get away that, from that I one. I don't get that joke. Uh, two letters away from the devil. Oh. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. You don't want to play with fire. Yeah. You, didn't want, you don't want the word devil in the name of your car. Well, I'm, sure, Speak, I'm sure Francis was listening this week. So. Yeah. I love so, him. Yeah. He's, I do too. He's amazing. I think So he's go amazing. out there, uh, priests, and buy your Honda Life. And stay away from the DeVille. And stay away from the DeVille. Mm. And the Warlock. All right. All right. I'm going to do my slice quickly. Go for it. It's an easy one. Okay. There's a list that I found recently. An article was um, written about four things that every modern man should be able to do. Oh. And since this is the boys of summer, I wanted to see if all of these modern men, cloak and dapper and all, could do this. Sure. Number four. Uh, this is a list, but I'm, don't, I'm not the list guy. You're not stealing. Calvin no, I don't do here. that thing. Not, I'm just not good at you it. You didn't right. create this, this list. These are just items organized sequentially. Right. <laughs> right. So uh, fourth one, number four, building a fire. Can you build a fire? Sure. Do you have no, a, you what just, materials? You're dropped in the middle of the woods. You've got nothing. I'm a dead man. Yeah. <laughs> There's a fire. Could you build a fire? Uh, I could probably get a couple sparks going. Cool. So you're dead, too. Everybody's dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead. Yeah, I could build a fire. I'm an Eagle Scout. Though, uh, so Flint and no big Tinder, deal. right? That's all you need? Yeah. You know how, what's sure. great, though, is a, and a, some roughage to catch the spark. Roughage? Yeah, a little roughage. Sounds like a <laughs> gentleman's term. Every modern man should be able to run a mile. Oh, yeah. You could just yeah. run a mile? Sure. I think it would be helpful if someone was chasing me. <laughs> I, I, then I could definitely knock down a mile. Jesse, could you run a mile right now? Oh, I, I could. I think I've, I could absolutely run a mile. Uh, every guy should be able to change a tire. Great. Don't, I actually that. did that I'm a, uh, I'm a, dead a couple man. months ago for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> my wife was very impressed that I could actually do that. Yeah. And I was like, well, Because she didn't think you could? Yeah, I guess she didn't think I could. Wow. She's yeah. like, I pegged you for someone who could start a fire in the woods, but not right, right. Tire. The woods guy, yeah. but yeah. not the yeah. What's the number yeah. one thing? Number one thing, and I actually this is the one I just really don't agree with. Every guy should be able to divide up a bill. Like you should be able to get, like you should be able to do the basic math of dividing up a bill. Huh? Okay. Like off the top of your head, or with the aid of your iPhone? Yeah. No, no, no. Off the top of your head. And when it comes to that, I just run out of the restaurant yeah, and right. run a mile. Could you run a mile? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nicely done. Nicely done. Yeah. Um, I, and then I come back and burn the restaurant down. <laughs> but see, I don't like dividing up the bill. You don't like yeah. it? No, you just pay for it. Oh. And I don't pay for everybody. The, but so the you're moment, saying a real man, if he can't do the math, he's just like, I got this one. Yeah, but that's the thing. is If we're if you and I are going out to lunch, right? Sure. And it's like clearly that we're just going out to lunch together, and I get the bill, and I'm going to have to do the thing like, hey, Chad, you owe, yeah. you know, you owe 14, 17, 17, $17, right. $500. Right. For your, you know, yeah, whatever. we go to expensive restaurants. Right. I'm not going to do that. I feel like a grown man is yeah. just like, here you go. I we got this. I feel because like a, what does it really matter? Right. I feel like a grown man should be able to calculate a tip without using the aid of a Absolutely. calculator. Absolutely. And yes. I, that's something I see a lot of yes. guys do. They're they're sitting there, they're doing the math, or they pull out their calculator. Right. I I just think a man should be able to do the math. Yeah, but you know, at I, least I they're trying to get the math right. 
True. It's a True. respect to the server. I, I just I just throw a large bill on the table and say, keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, the boys of summer, I think I think I think we, we would pass. I think between the four of us that are in this room and Before, Captain there's, Camtastic, there's a we man could do it. between the four yeah, there's of us. One there's awesome one awesome dude. Man. There's, yeah. yeah, there's one adult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't in that list something about like push-ups i'm grateful there's not yeah okay. yeah I, I feel like i've heard that before that like, presidential... you should be able to do 20 push-ups or maybe yeah. it's not that many you know that presidential know. fitness challenge that was the most torturous part of elementary school do we remember yes. this oh, yeah. wow. it was one of the only certificates that. i got when i was yeah kid. because i'm like this is what the <laughs> it was president... signed by bill clinton dude. this is what the president <laughs> says i should do yeah I'm a failure. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't even do I the, remember the I president. framed that in my room <laughs> because it had, like, a stamped signature of Bill Clinton. I was like, dude, this – I got a freaking letter from the president because I did three pull-ups and got a pretty good V-sit reach, so. Yeah, and you, <laughs> and you just imagine him sitting there in the Oval yeah. Office – Jesse, yeah. going, going over job. all of these, this signing Jesse them all. Jesse Carey from Great Bridge Elementary. Yeah, he, he that is one impressive V sit reach. I like it. I like your uh, your Clinton impression. It's very much like what I would imagine, like Teddy Roosevelt. Call the Secretary of Health. Have him draft me a certificate. Well, you always felt we the pull up day was the weird was the most awkward because you had a lot of people that would do like weird midair movements, like somehow oh, yeah. thinking that like scooting to the side in midair and, and like there's like an invisible ladder under their feet you're like swinging swinging back and forth yeah. and you're like you don't know physics yet yeah. this is killing it's you not gonna and happen. the PE teacher took it really seriously like with his clipboard if you didn't get the chin over the bar not counting it yeah. you know it's bringing back like horrible memories just thinking about that right now if you ever want to look and or feel the most like Rambo as you possibly can yeah mm-hmm. Do a few pull-ups because once you get to like that last couple pull-ups <laughs> you can do, you are just it's like you're gonna uh, your veins are, your popping, are popping. Yeah. You're grunting. You're you. You literally feel like this is the end of the world. Yeah, and then yeah. Yeah. now you know what Rambo felt like. Yeah, just like that. Every day of his life. We're doing an hour and a half at Golden Crow. Yeah, oh. just your last your last run through the Salisbury steak line. <laughs> yeah. oh. just don't no. split that bill. <laughs> yeah, you, you eat within an inch of your life before tapping out. Of oh man! All right, well that'll do it for slices, guys. Uh, I'm glad we have uh, a full man between us. It's good to know. Stay tuned. Coming up next, Karen Russell. You're listening to Regina Spector. The song is You've Got Time. It's uh, her brand new single. Well, Karen Russell is an American novelist and short story writer regarded as one of today's most celebrated and vital writers. She was honored in the New Yorker's list of the 20 best writers under the age of 40, Grandma's Best of Young American Novelists, and the National Book Foundation's Five Best Writers Under the Age of 35. Her debut novel, Swamplandia, was a finalist for the 2012 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, and she's just released a new collection of short stories called Vampires in the Lemon Grove. The book is a curation of fantastical worlds where girls are turned into silkworms, scarecrows resemble bullied victims of days past, and seagulls have somehow pickpocketed the keys to the cosmos. But through it all is the tempo of aching humanity and the never-quite-straight path to atonement. Our very own Stephanie Smith recently caught up with her. Here is Karen Russell. love writing short stories and um i wanted to ask you short stories are kind of an interesting craft because they're individual and independently complete yet they're still kind of part of a whole so as you wrote this collection is there would you say that there's a common thread kind of holding all the stories together so the stories these stories are linked and it's interesting i had a, a first collection of short stories saint lucy's home for girls raised by wolves mm-hmm. and they're the way that they existed um, together, it felt more like an archipelago. And so it felt to me like landscape was what was connecting them often, or sort of a sameness of, you know, the ratio of the fantastical to realistic details. And they, they tended to be about really young narrators. 
Um, and this collection, it, it was exciting to put it together because I felt that there were sort of less obvious, you know, the connections, you know, superficially, like they're not, it doesn't overlap the way connected stories often do. It's not all set in one town and they're, you know, you don't, you're not going to meet the vampires from the title story right. in New Jersey and the, the final story. But they, I think in different ways, they all sort of take on some of the same questions about um, memory and trauma and how to tell stories about the past in a way that won't paralyze you or destroy you mm. or keep you trapped in some, some cycle, some monster cycle or cycle of violence. Uh, I think even sort of the lighter stories in the collection, like the, the more comic ones, tend to be about this tipping point, you know, where optimism turns into complete delusion. Mm-hmm. So a dream or a fantasy becomes a nightmare, becomes something really dangerous to its host body. And then and then they all they all did seem to in some way involve kind of a violent transformation. Yeah. So that's what and I was thinking too about just like that the stories themselves um, in a way are these monsters um, because they're they're heterogeneous. They're these weird hybrids. So I would try to do something that was historical and, and fantastical just sort of some, some kind of strange monsters mashup. So I, I, I was thinking about monsters basically during the drafting of all of these stories, even the more realist ones um, tend to focus on a human monster of some kind. Looking at some of the other stories, it seems that you show a wide range of characters from characters who suffer as victims, like the girls who are enslaved in the silk factory, and also characters who are really, if you can call them perpetrators, very tortured um, over their actions from vampires to school bullies. But in all of that, you're very careful, I think, to portray the humanity of both. I was curious, why do you think that it's important that we see as a reader both sides? Oh, I'm, I'm really glad it read that way. Thank you. Um, I think I was definitely thinking about monstrosity as a continuum, you know, so the sort of the traditional victim, aggressor, you know, victim, criminal, binary. I, I wanted to blur that in a, in a pretty conscious way because I often felt in the case of Clyde, you know, the, the vampire from the title story or mm-hmm. the, the story we ended with Larry Rubio, this this boy who used to be um, just a brutal bully in his youth. I think in, in a way, I, I wanted people to see that they're victims, too, of these sort of cycles of repetition, that they were, you know, that, that, that they're, they're, I mean, in the case of Clyde, starving um, and trying to manage a really unruly inborn appetite. Or with, with Larry, this boy who's trapped in the inertia of this group where no individual particularly necessarily wants to be assaulting this their classmate mm-hmm. but yet together they, they feel trapped by the energy of you know this unstoppable action so I kept thinking about you know I definitely I didn't want it in any case to read as a straightforward I am the victim you know I have I'm powerless or I am you know this this monster um right I think I think there was always sort of a shifting ratio of power and powerlessness and volition and, and kind of feeling trapped by some involuntary desire. Um, and, and often, you know, I, I think that they're, they're conversion stories, right? So it, yeah, somebody can become a monster. You know, even uh, there's this silkworm, ostensibly the, the most obvious victim in the collection are these, these girls, these Japanese daughters of tenant farmers who are exploited in this um, terrifying nightmare mill, textile mill. Right. And by the end of by the story, then they've undergone their own kind of monstrous metamorphosis. And it's, um, I hope, you know, I hope it doesn't read as, as black and white in any way. I mean, or, or, or overly moralistic. My favorite fiction will always make readers realize how complicit we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no, there's no way to just, to sit from without and judge a monstrous character. You're, you're able to empathize with them, and so you're sort of in touch with the best and worst parts of your own nature. the genre of short stories I mean this is a unique genre even for today I think but what do you see in short stories that you can do that you can't do in a novel 
Oh my goodness, I think there's a lot you can do in a, in a short story that you can't do in a novel. Um, you can set up, set up different echoes and effects that I think um, get lost in a novel just because of the scope of the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's such a period, even as for a writer and a reader, where you're, you can't really see land anymore. You know, so because, of the, it, because it's so compact, I think you can compass a lot of meanings the way that a poem does. Mm-hmm. You know, you can work in an elliptical or imagistic way that simply would lose its impact hmm. in a novel. Those images would get lost, I think, you know, or you're just heaping more and more language upon them. So it, 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 you lose kind of the immediacy of the beginning rubbing right up next to the ending that mm-hmm. you can have in a story, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I think you can focus in on the micro level of the line. I mean, in a story, right, I was laughing with a friend about how all dialogue is inherently suspenseful in a short story, even if someone's just like, you know, the girls enjoyed the bright day and they're just talking about the weather. That can be really scary. Because it has to mean something. Yeah, right. Everything has this weight and suspense because it's there for a reason. You know that there's some kind of conflict or or something's about to go awry. So, yeah, there's no wasted space. Yeah there's, yeah, there's no wasted space. And then you can have an emotional impact that really, for me, it feels very similar to the best poem. That we were saying haunting, you know, so you can, um, without necessarily having... To deliver the resolution, I think readers often expect from a novel. I sort of love this story move where it's just a broken off, you know, abrupt ending that opens out, and then the reader is, is haunted, you know, if, if it works at all. There's some sort of <laughs> there's some sort of way that that whatever question this, whatever question animated the story can now body hop into the reader. That was Karen Russell. Be sure to check out her new book. It's called Vampires in the Lemon Grove. Be sure and check her out. She's featured in the new issue of Relevant Magazine and our summer reading guide. You're listening to the Arctic Monkeys. The song is Do I Wanna Know? Uh, Probably not. Uh, It's from their upcoming album, AM. Well, Telekinesis is both a band and a person, an indie rock and roll band out of Seattle comprised of Michael Benjamin Lerner. He does everything, vocals, guitar, bass, keyboard, and drums. As Telekinesis, Lerner has released a handful of albums and EPs, with the latest being Dormarian, which was released in April on Merge Records. The album is both practical and profound, the sound of a man figuring out exactly who he is while taking a summer afternoon drive. And it's a process that's a lot of fun to listen to as well. Lerner road tripped over the summer and made the record in two weeks, along with Spoon drummer Jim Eno in his Austin studio. Yes, the studio is located on Dormarian Lane, hence the name of the album. Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke with Michael Benjamin Lerner, and here is our spotlight on Telekinesis. Did I read you're engaged? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Does that mean uh? Does that mean like no more breakup songs or no more sad music from Telekinesis? I don't know. I feel like a lot of the music that I make is real funny anyway. Like there was a, there was a, a time when I first started this band and things started taking off that I was like I felt like I could never write a sad song. Like I tried it. I would try really hard and band fail miserably. But I feel like. Like, I can't write about politics or anything like that. I'm really, really terrible with stuff like that. But it's okay to write happy stuff all the time. I'm okay with that because sometimes there's a a lot of negativity going on all the time. And I would be a happy, happy dude if I could spread a little bit of happiness (laughs) to people, you know? 
You had to feel some pressure with this. It wasn't like, I mean, I know you weren't like, you weren't Lumineers. You didn't open for Jack White at the Grammys, but it wasn't like nobody noticed your last album. I was totally scared. And it was it was one of those like phantom worries. I, I told myself like I wasn't going to let that happen. And now in hindsight, it totally happened. And <laughs> when, you're, when I was writing the first record, I, I didn't even know I was going to be in a band. I just was writing it for fun. And I was playing drums in a bunch of bands. And, and then, uh, you know, kind of got swept up into this into this line of work, <laughs> songwriting line of work. So I was just writing songs for myself and my family. And then a couple months later, I did a record and Merch wanted to put it out. And then I'm on tour. And then a year later, I have to write another record. And then it's, it's way different than just writing songs for fun at that point. Yeah. So it was there. there is a lot of like pressure you can't physically or it's not tangible you, you don't know that it's there but i think that once you start trying really hard it's it's a, that's a bad a really slippery slope to go down uh and i did that a lot on that on that second record i think How do you do that? Like, what do you do when you, how do you like take a step back and be like, okay, this is fun. This is what I enjoy doing and I don't need to do it for anybody else. Is there a, is there a trick to it or do you just have to force yourself to like ram your head into the right perspective every now and then? I don't know. I mean, I think I always liken being in a band to Lord of the Rings, which sounds really stupid, but like you try and get to Mordor mm-hmm. and then you get to Mordor and you throw the ring in the thing and then it goes away and then you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the second record is like the, the, the arduous journey to Mordor. Like, it's just, it kind of sucks. It's, in, it, in, inherently, it's just, it's a scary process because it's your second record. And then by the third record, you're going back to the Shire, you know? It's like, it's fun again. It's really super fun again because you don't have people that are listening to it saying, oh, it, you know... It's, it's his second record, which is just how people listen to your second record is much different than your third record or your first record. What do you feel like is the biggest switch from the stuff you did before to this album? Um, I feel like having a new producer was a big deal yeah. for the for the vibe of it. I think I also just put a lot of my uh, guard down as far as what types of songs you're going to make and tried to not think about it having guitars on it all the time and making piano songs. and I don't know. I just wanted to make something different. And... I think there, there are a lot of songs on the record that are really different from each other. And some of the reviews have, have talked about that in a negative way, in that it's not like a consistent record. But I kind of didn't set out to do that. Because mm-hmm. the, the sad truth is that most people don't listen to your record all the way through anymore. Sure. So I kind of set out to make a bunch of songs that have their own uh, identity. That was Telekinesis. Be sure and check out the music at telekinesismusic.com. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore telekinesis.
You're listening to Maps. The name of the song is I Heard Them Say, uh, and it's from the album Vicissitude. Maps no should get together with Mayor Hawthorne so he can figure out where that door where goes. that door should go. I agree. Yeah. Hey, that was really clever. That was. Well, I'm I trying mean, to you brought back a... something from the very beginning. Of I'm the not podcast. even goofing. That I'm, was a good joke. I'm good just job. trying to be a problem solver, Eddie. <laughs> You're such a man. <laughs> Last week, guys, we asked you to tell us your craziest July Fourth slash fireworks story. We had a lot of great feedback. Here's some of our favorites. Okay, so so Devin is the youth uh, leader in New Jersey. And he said that he took the whole YG, he abbreviated youth group in this, uh, Uh down to a local park on the 4th of July. And this is instead of going to, like, the public fireworks show. He decided (laughs) that it would be a better idea for him to break into his personal stash of fireworks, which, by the way, I was thinking about this the other day. If you have a collection of fireworks, it's definitely a stash. Yeah, yeah, totally. And if you're in Jersey, taking your youth group down off exit 132 to the rest stop to play with fireworks it's a yeah, stash it's a stash yeah, it, it, this sounds like a pretty shady stash of fireworks because <laughs> he said that one of the fireworks it required you to nail it to the tree scary i've uh. never heard of such an insane thing you nail the firework to the tree and i guess you, you tie the string around and it spins around the nail and and creates a, a magical spinning show but they didn't nail it tight enough no. and it broke oh, off 100 and shot like a flaming blue dart over the children's heads and quickly started a fire on the ground. So he, uh, the youth, the youth leader Devin, put the fire out and immediately evacuated the children because at that point he was afraid that law enforcement was going to get involved. And then Man. two hours of awesome God on the bus. Yeah, just with crying. with the verses, with <laughs> the verses. Like when he rolled yeah, up his sleeve, the, he wasn't rap, on when, the when God rolls up his sleeves and puts on the ritz. Yeah, <laughs> church joke. Oh, I love good youth stuff. group. All right, Matt uh, Tomalty. Who is apparently from Canada, so I almost it almost didn't make it through the filters. Uh, wow. But I would like to share it. First of all, he said, my, my fireworks story, or he probably was like, hey, my fireworks story takes place in Canada Day on July 1st, which is still barely acceptable. Yeah. But I would like to say to Matt's credit, so some college friends, uh, they were going on a camping trip on a friend's property, and uh, they had purchased over 100 Canadian dollars of fireworks. So that's like in U.S. dollars... That's like probably 20 or 30 bucks worth of fireworks. Or yeah. is it the other way around? I think it depends on the Japanese yen. Yeah. Either way, it's hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyhow, so... How much is that in maple syrup? So, <laughs> so things went awry. It had nothing to do with the $100 worth of fireworks that were with them on a camping trip. But they had a little mosquito candle, and they set up tarps over, like, as hangs, and the wind blew one of the tarps over, and they were... Uh, Basically, the tarps and the chair and everything just melted into this little... So he said, uh, so that the candle set the tarp, a 15 by 15 tarp, it was completely melted. There were three lawn chairs that were underneath the tarp as it was on fire, and the tarp melted the chairs. And they said, when we returned, we thought someone had stolen the chairs. The only remains were bits of Martin molten tarp all over the ground in a large white puddle where the lawn chairs once stood. Oh my goodness. Like, that's a pretty... Epic fire. That's crazy. That Canadians awesome. know how to know how to throw a party. Thanks, Matt. Good Thanks. stuff. Glad you're safe, Matt. Uh, Joe here. Joe Harper said, "My friends and I were in a parking lot shooting bottle rockets at each other." Now, first of all, <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> I've, I've done I've I've done that before, not in a parking lot, but. It, it can get fun and warlike, and then also very, very frightening. Sure. Uh, he acknowledges, Joe acknowledges, it was pretty stupid looking back. So if that wasn't wild enough, someone called the cops on us. But instead of saying we were shooting bottle rockets, they said we were shooting guns at each other. Before we knew it, there were six or seven cops surrounding us. They all had their guns drawn, and we were all handcuffed and put in our cars until they found out we only had fireworks. After they discovered we were only kids with fireworks, instead of gunned hoodlums... <laughs> They gave us a lecture on wasting cops' time, uh, but they said it was really hard not to laugh during the whole process. Man. Bunch of punks. And then they went and parked in front of Cam Cam... Uh, Captain... What is it? Captain Camtastic. Captain Camtastic. Cam- they went and parked in front of Captain Camtastic. He's really going to hate house, that. And they made out for a while and yeah. called the cops on him again. So. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a lot of feedback this week and uh, a lot of really, really long stories. So uh, rather than us just reading every single one of them and taking forever, uh, go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com 
or uh, you can check out our, our Twitter account. There were, there were some good ones there and our Facebook account as well. Um, you guys have some crazy July 4th fireworks stories. I'm yeah. a little, little nervous. Kind of makes me wonder how we all made it. Yeah. I mean, there's like yeah. basically the common theme is we all set ourselves on fire yeah. or our grandma's yard on fire yeah. or I we mean, shouldn't be here today. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Pretty but much made ends it. like that. So we made it to comment. So congratulations, everyone, for making it through. You win. All right. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. All right. Well, this week um, we got talking about weddings. We got talking about, uh, you know, things kind of going off the rails. Uh, we lived it. I mean, this podcast pretty much <laughs> right. has been off the rails the oh, whole yeah. time. Is, yeah. Have you um, ever been to a wedding that was the equivalent of this podcast episode? <laughs> yeah. Is, is, there there much, to, is there a way to measure unsubscribes? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's called this week. Um, <laughs> but uh, we got thinking about uh, weddings. You know, it's wedding season. A lot of people are getting married. Eddie, um, you know, you're officiating weddings. We're, we're all, yeah. my sister's getting married in a couple weeks. Oh, what's I'm your sister's to, name? Uh, her name? Her name is Rochelle. Oh, uh, congratulations, she, Rochelle. Yeah, she lives in St. Louis, getting married in Ohio. Uh, where she's lived since college and so flying up for that wedding I'm going to DJ the reception so no it's going to be way. pretty crazy yeah, yeah that's cool. hope you got some good material planned oh you know oh, it yeah. <laughs> you do a solid five minutes <laughs> hey man I just went to a wedding and they yeah. played Daft Punk Oh, it's a great, great wedding. Unbelievable. Right? Yeah, yeah, so fun. So, uh, so anyway, so it's wedding season. It got us thinking. What is the most awkward wedding moment, the most cringeworthy wedding moment that you have ever seen or been a part of. I, I want at least one person to have a story about when they say, you know, if anyone should object to this, oh, you can speak oh, now. Yeah. I, every wedding I'm at, I'm like, please, please Somebody. let someone looking stand. Around. See, I don't, do, I don't do that when I officiate. I ask everybody oh, to... I would, and I would, and the pause would be, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a pregnant pause, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you're going around and you're really eyeballing folks and trying, yeah, I'm you're looking, like doing I'm, the, I'm going, I'm, I'm like raising my eyebrows like, you? You're doing guy? like the Larry David thing on a, rest, or a what's it called? <laughs> Curb, your uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he's kind of like doing the stare down. Yep. Is it you? I think this guy, he's looking, he's telling me with his eyes, he wants to say yeah. something stand up sir you guys you, did. <laughs> you don't think this is gonna last do you tell me about tell me about it and then you're really like stoking the fire too like when no one answers or stands up you're kind of like really are we these sh- two sure yeah. Yeah. these two come on I, I said or forever hold your peace there's yeah. last chance people <laughs> they don't have a chance there's got to be someone here i'm trying to think i mean I, i've seen people pass out we've we've seen people pass mm-hmm. out before mm-hmm. seen in-laws get weird and, sure you know that, say like random toasts right like right that, that kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah. typically happens um, but we're we're just looking for something that's just really really crazy, something that's really out there, the most awkward, cringeworthy moment at a wedding or a wedding reception, or or actually we could expand it. We could say a rehearsal dinner or something. You know, anything yeah. wedding related. I, I did know a guy one time who uh, <laughs> he he was the best man, and for his best man speech, he was very very nervous. So he decided that the best way to alleviate his nerves is he had someone come up and do it with him. Unfortunately, he didn't have anyone to do it with him, so he brought with him a, a, a sock puppet that he made. <gasps> no, and did a sock puppet best man speech. That it was can it was only weird. Be good. <laughs> it, it was very strange. I loved it. I loved it, but I, I don't think the reaction it got was intended. Could, you know? That's unreal. Could, could we get that guy at our the wedding that we're going to officiate here? Oh yeah. man, because yeah. I think that would be pretty great. Sock puppet guy has to Ooh. be the best man. Wow. Well, hit us up with your best responses. Uh, you can go over to uh, the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts, or you can go over to our Facebook page and leave your feedback there. I have a way to generate interest in this. Okay. Whoever has the best comment will get $1,000. <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> Canadian. Canadian. $1,000. Wow. I just, I'm just curious. All we need is a sponsor. From our sponsors. From yeah, our, our well, sponsor. you noticed that this, podcast, this episode didn't have a sponsor this week. Thankfully. I did. Yeah. I thought maybe all that NPR stuff, like NPR sponsors. Oh, yeah. Mm. Unofficially. Yeah, no, we have no... Yeah. No spots. So the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over this one. <laughs> if you build it, they will. Go. That's right. Well, we're sending a bill to the for a thousand dollars to the yeah. Bill and Melinda Gates right. Foundation to see yeah. what happens. Maybe Just send like a random invoice, right? Maybe if, a box of hot tamales. We could do that. Yeah. I love hot so, tamales. Or some, or some syrup. So I. I mean, if they're from, from Canada, we can hey. just send some great A You do syrup. like hot tamales? I love them. They're one of my so, favorite candies. One of my fa- What's your favorite candy? I just want to get real right now. What's your favorite candy? Uh, it's hard. It really depends on the mood, you know? Right I want now, chocolate. I, I usually will go peanut M&M's. Are we twins? Is that that, that's what I was going to say. Mm. Well, let me, let me ask you this. What are your feelings about uh, sour neon gummy worms? I don't do sour like wrong I don't do scary. I just don't but, like that feeling. Really? Now, if I'm on a road trip, I don't know why, but if the road trip is mm. over like 100 miles 
at some point i'm stopping to get peach rings at the gas station right and combos <laughs> yeah peach rings combos and like a vanilla coke and swedish fish never swedish fish they they, they they tear my teeth off they're disgusting what is the okay jesse this is gonna say if we're actually really twinsies what okay. is the soda that you only order on an airplane you don't order anywhere else or you don't get anywhere else when i'm on a, when I'm on an airplane i always go sprite Okay, that was really close. Ginger ale. Oh, that's Ginger ale. Close. Uh, it's, well, it's for yeah. the same reason because I'm feeling a, like probably 15 percent nauseous the whole flight. <laughs> like ginger ale is, is a beverage you only drink when you're sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you or know? green Gatorade, man. My mom used to give me green Gatorade when I was sick, right. and I still I don't know if that was right or wrong, but I still can't smell that stuff without feeling like. Did it work like, though? Oh, the electrolytes. I don't think it's medicine. I don't think it helps. <laughs> <laughs> I can be perfectly healthy and, and have some ginger ale and be like, I feel like I got the flu. <laughs> just just it's like a Pavlovian response. Yeah, I need some saltines to go along with that. But like my immune system, like automatically thinks, oh, I guess I should be sick right now because he's consuming ginger ale. Hey, can we both agree that we hate good and plenty? though that's like purple and white pills there's a whole bunch of candies that could go away and no one would be sad yeah good and plenty almond joy almond yeah, joy no. is good. that the one with coconut yeah cow tails are worst we could do a whole secondary question of Oreo. candy really but uh let's just let's just do a new segment called candy talk <laughs> <laughs> a whole new podcast this, this, this podcast is sponsored by candy talk <laughs> yeah just for you listening to candy about talk candy. the new spinoff <laughs> you listen to candy talk show where a bunch of guys sit around and talk about candy <laughs> <laughs> and they talk about them all really quickly so they've only got one show's worth yeah. of material it's like five minutes and that's it a hundred thousand dollar bar was that a thing like, hey. am i dreaming was that a thing well Everybody's unsubscribed now. <laughs> if we had a few left. Well, we just lost the rest of them. So if you're unsubscribing, head on over to candytalk.org. <laughs> just bought it. <laughs> I would love if you really did. I'm not going to lie. Someone was squatting on it. I just yeah. paid like $5,000. Worth it. Worth it's it. going to be so good. Hot tamales are get the, uh, the Twitter at Candy Talk. Right now, it's just going to be a bunch of animated gifts of me eating hot tamales. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever crossed the threshold with hot tamales where you're like, oh, I really shouldn't anymore like, and then you keep eating them and you're like oh what have i done like i really don't feel good i need some ginger ale <laughs> <laughs> right i eat so many hot tamales I got it, it's when they start not feeling hot anymore then they're, <laughs> you know what i mean like at first they're like yeah. oh, that has some kick and then they just turn into gummy candy and you're like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just man. a mouthful of like slobbery red gum yeah well guys it's been fun uh, next week, Captain, Captain Camtastic will be back. Oh, man. Regardless. We, we'll and we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, we'll yeah. be put into place. Yeah. There, there I'm might, sorry, Cameron. Next week's podcast might be Cameron and Jesse. I don't think I'm... Yeah, I, I think I'm still in the hot seat for this one, too. And good news, candytalk.org is available. Let's <laughs> <laughs> check it out. God, I would love oh, to own that's that. great. Wow. <laughs> Just guys talking about candy. Hey. Candy talk. Candy talk. Candy talk. <laughs> Thanks to Karen Russell for talking to us. Uh, you can check out her new book. It's called Vampires in the Lemon Grove. Uh, you can also check her out more of her in uh, she was featured in the summer reading guide in the brand new relevant magazine and also thanks to telekinesis for talking to us uh, be sure and check out their music at telekinesismusic.com or you can follow him on twitter at underscore telekinesis all right well that'll do it i am chad michael snavely i am eddie Koffels. i am calvin Kearley. this 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 is npr, this <laughs> is NPR. <laughs> i'm jesse carey we'll see you guys next week Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Go follow us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast. And for more great content, check out relevantmagazine.com. Call the Secretary of Health. Have him draft me a certificate.